Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Make It Pine. M I P. With Massimella Mark Thompson. Make It Pine. Get woke. Brothers, we have got to talk much, much more about environmental racism and environmental justice. We don't do it enough. None of us do it enough. But our sister does, and we do well. Every time we get an opportunity to hear from her, she is the director of federal legislative affairs for We Act for Environmental Justice. She testified before the House Energy and Commerce Committee today. We're very proud of her. No good. White member of Congress tried to mess with her. I'm going to deal with that. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but we want to hear from her also, you know, the Biden administration came out and did some things just kind of in one fell swoop. Um, was this significant enough? And what do we need to follow up on that? So we're going to get into all of that with Corrine Taylor, as I said, of we act for environmental, environmental justice, better known as green Corrine in the house. Hey sister, how you doing? Hey, happy new year. Same to you. Same to you. Happy 2021. You good? Family okay? How's everybody healthy and okay? Everyone's good. Um, safe, working from home, going to school from home. Yeah, it's going to be a year now for the majority of us next month. Yeah. So yeah. we're hanging in. Yeah, well, that's, that's good. That's good. Well, first of all, um, how was the hearing and, and what was kind of the, uh, um, the outcome of that, are are you feeling that you know having you know going on the hill testifying at a time when we have a new administration is it a different vibe? Do you feel more hopeful, more optimistic, or, or just what? Well, the hearing it, and it was my first congressional hearing, um, and it was really just about what 
Congress can do not only to support the Biden executive orders that came out on January 27th on climate and, and environmental justice, um, but what needs to happen immediately uh, just from the congressional standpoint. Um, it was I, it was long. Um, <laughs> I was surprised that it was three hours, um, but it was a really good conversation. Um, I was on, I guess I was a panelist with uh, Christy Goldfuss from the Center for American Progress, um, someone else from Blue Green Alliance. Um, so it was it was a really good mix, I think, of folks. I was the EJ person. And it, it's always a challenge, I think, um, when asked to do these things, because our topic isn't a warm and fuzzy one. Like we're going to bring up race. We're going to bring up, you know, decades of disinvestment and, and, and you know, um, pollution and how you've treated black and brown people for years. And so it's not always a warm and fuzzy reception. But I think clearly with the Congress, um, with the White House, um, with us now having both the House and the Senate, there is an appetite for really frank conversations on what can happen. And I think today was the beginning of that. And so, and so again, what was Crenshaw trying to do? He, he... <laughs> Dan Crenshaw is a trip. I, you know, you see people on Fox or wherever you see him the most, and then you interact with him. I guess he's new to this, uh, to this committee on um, energy. I think it's environment and climate change, the, the subcommittee. And um, he was just like, he was trying to get us all in a hole around natural gas and saying that it was it was helpful to addressing the climate crisis and that scientists agree with him. And that's totally not the case at all. Like um, natural gas um, is harmful and it does drive climate change. And as it relates to pollution in our communities, it's still impacting our health. And I tried to get that point in and he was, you know, Eventually, his last statement was like, you know, my stepbrother's Latino, something like that. Like, what? No one knows. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it was weird. It was super weird. But, you know, um, when you elections have consequences, so ever, whoever elect, or elected him in his district, this is what they wanted. They wanted someone to, you know, spew misinformation and to clearly come into hearings and throw them off. Um, the Biden executive orders. Were you pleased with those? And to what extent did they intersect and support the initiatives of We Act for Environmental Justice Green? I'll say even before the executive orders, the transition um, to this administration has been so intense where they've been wanting to hear our feedback on everything from what the EPA should look like, what Department of Energy should look like, transportation issues. Like they've been very thorough. And so when the executive order came out on January 27th, you know, and we read through it, we were like, oh. Okay, they get it. You know, like it was very um, strong in language. There are a lot of parts of it that uh, we're excited about. There's going, you know, there's um, the Justice 40 initiative where they are making a commitment to provide 40% of the benefits um, to environmental justice communities. And we're, we want to figure out what do you mean by benefits and what will they look like? Um, there's also um, going to be a White House um, Advisory Council on Environmental Justice, which we're excited about. There's even language about um, 
how the Department of Justice can create its own Office of Environmental Justice, which would be a first of, of its kind. So it was very, very comprehensive. Um, there's also an opportunity to create a, cl a citizen's climate corps, which would cut or citizen, a climate conservation corps, which might be the, the green version of what happened during the New Deal, where um, there was the creation of the Conservation Corps. But unlike that, where there was a lot of racist practices in terms of who could get those opportunities, you know, there's a real big emphasis on young people and people of color um, in that. So just a lot of different um, points of um, excitement, I think. And just frankly, not enough of Black media, I think, covered it. There were a lot of other executive orders that dealt with like racial um, equity and you know, of course, we're still dealing with COVID, but the environmental justice community, black and brown people, you know, created, I think, this appetite for the Biden administration to talk about EJ the way that it does. And so we were pleased with it. But again, an executive order, it's it, it, it instructs the federal government how to act, the agencies. But until we get really strong legislation um, that is passed, you know, that's when we're really going to see the teeth that are needed to really be more protective to communities. Does the Democratic majority in the Senate um, make you feel hopeful about an opportunity for legislation to get passed? Well, in today's hearing, um, I think uh, Congressman Tonko talked quite a bit about his Clean Energy Futures Act. Him, he and uh, Congressman Pallone are introducing that. And there's some environmental justice provisions in that. Um, but we typically pull up um, certain bills that we've been a part of for a very long time. Uh, Congressman Donald McEachin um, from Virginia and Rahul, Congressman Rahul Grijalva from New Mexico introduced the Environmental Justice for All Act, which is something we've been a part of for a very long time that's way more com comprehensive. And it's something we're going to always say that people need to pass. So we're hoping that when it's reintroduced um, this year, that we can get it out of the House and get it into the Senate and um, you know, maybe, you know, our, our new VP Kamala Harris will be that deciding vote because it, it, it the Senate, it's going to take a little bit more work. We're happy that Warnock, um, Senator Warnock and Senator Ossoff made it out of um, Georgia. But the realities are the Senate, because of the 50-50 split, will be harder. So, I mean, you mean with people, are you alluding to people like uh, Joe Manchin? <sighs> Yeah, he's the most powerful man in the Senate, they say. <laughs> and he's, you know, he has, you know, with his with his um interesting constituency from West Virginia, that's a very heavy coal state. But the realities are the the industry has been dying for a very, very long time. And there that we do have to think about how do we make this transition and how do we, you know, keep those communities with us? Um, there's so many issues where a lot of these coal companies are going bankrupt on purpose so they can, you know, avoid paying out those pensions. Folks get black lung disease. They give up their bodies to, you know, work in that industry. And the, the federal government in many ways ha has failed them, too. So. How do we, you know, of course, address the health issue for our communities and then keep those communities that have been working in the coal mines and natural gas and fossil fuels and all of that? Um, how do we bring them along with us in an equitable way? It's going to be a challenge. It really is. How does we act for environmental justice uh, also propose that as we address green initiatives, climate change and all of that, that at the same time we create jobs. We have to. Like, 
it's challenging. So we have our own solar program in Harlem. We've helped just in a couple of years, 125 people learn how to do PV, um, solar a panel installation. We've helped over 2000 people get their OSHA card so they could join the construction industry. But the, the challenge too, to be quite frank, is unions aren't always very kind to black people. Um, the union numbers aren't as high. And so while we talk about good paying union jobs, we also have to address the systemic racism that's existed in unions for a very long time. And so we have, to, it's like a holistic approach. And the, the solar industry, the wind industry, they're producing so many jobs, but COVID, Unfortunately, I think they lost like 12% of their um, the sector's jobs just within the year of that we've had the pandemic. So there's a lot of ground that needs to be um, made up for. And with the COVID relief package, there's opportunities to address that. But Congress is going to have to be very aggressive in um, providing the congressional incentives to really like speed up the green sector. So when we talk about solar and wind, too, are we talking about union jobs there, too? The solar industry isn't as unionized, I think, as people would like it to be. So that's a challenge, too. Um, so that that's going to take some work to unionize the solar industry. Um, but there's other opportunities. I mean, uh, the construction industry, which is pretty unionized, there's a lot of renewable jobs there in terms of energy efficiency or addressing like building, um, building use of, of, of energy, et cetera, and even replacing the, all the lead pipes in the country, all of that. Like if we think about addressing Flint and all of the other places having water issues, there's a lot of potential there um, in that remediation process to create jobs. So when, when we talk about the pandemic, um, we know that environmental racism has had disproportionate health effects on African-Americans. Mm-hmm. So can we say also there's some overlap between COVID and health disparities from environmental racism that in oh. other words, our people are exposed to at a, in a pandemic like this? Yeah, um, I think it was Harvard. They had a study that recently um, showed the high correlation between particulate matter, which is a, a type of pollution that's created from transportation, et cetera, and emissions. If there's a high correlation between um, particulate matter in, in specific counties and then um, connected to high mort- um, mortality from from the COVID-19 pandemic. So it, it's directly connected, air pollution, all of those things. If wherever there's more cases of people having asthma, having respiratory problems, chronic um, uh, heart issues, et cetera, that are pollution related, there's gonna be more likely um, high rates of COVID-19. So it's all connected. How, so, I mean, we're talking about our local communities. You're talking about Harlem. How does rejoining of the Paris Agreement impact our local communities? I think rejoining Paris is more about the U.S. saying we're we're, we're coming back into the world to be a part of the, you know, the attempt to address the climate crisis. But Paris doesn't have any teeth to it. Um, and, and we have to think f- further than Paris. Paris? How do we um, make stronger commitments and how do we require states to really do the work to make those emissions reductions, whether it's, you know, and, and sometimes 
the larger climate crisis is always seen through like greenhouse gas reductions, greenhouse gas. But in doing that, we have to think about the co-pollutants or the other pollutants that come with these emissions from these facilities and these power plants. And that's really where we can see the change um, for environmental justice community. So Paris is a start, but Paris in itself needs to, you know, that's just one step to really having the U.S. reclaim its leadership position, but we need to go further. Now you use a big word, co-pollutants. So what are those? We talk, so there's greenhouse gas emissions and then co-pollutants. What are some of those co-pollutants that hit us? Methane, methane gas is really harmful. Nitrogen, nitri nitrogen dioxide is really harmful. Um, ozone, so uh, particulate matter, PM 2.5, all of those things. So when a, when a, a, a coal power plant or any kind of stationary power plant is spewing all that stuff in the air. Not only is greenhouse gas in it too, but a whole bunch of other stuff that makes those plumes even you know darker. And so it, you know our communities are closer in proximity to those facilities. So all of those fumes, all of those coal pollutants are coming up in our lungs, giving us all these respiratory problems, making our air dirty, um, impacting our water because it, you know like. People think like air just stays where it is. No, air moves and it and it and it help it impacts people uptown, it impacts people downtown. So um when we say co-pollutants, it's all the other types of uh pollutants in in addition to greenhouse gases that go up into the atmosphere. Of course, these executive orders mention environmental justice. You alluded to the White House Environmental Justice Interagency Council, uh the Justice 40 piece you mentioned. So it, 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 is all of that really going to happen or is, is that symbolic? We hope it's going to happen. We're going to make sure and we're going to work, I think, in coordination as much as possible with the White House, with um, the agencies to see it happen. I think we have a really small window for action. And again, January 27th, it wasn't even a full week. Um, those commitments were made and we're going to hold the administration at their word. Um, our, our goal is to you know, figure out how to not only influence what the Justice 40 looks like in terms of on the ground investments and where it goes, but if we're able to um, influence the White House um, Environmental Justice Advisory Council, you know, do that as well. Um, but there's a lot of work that needs to be done and these agencies are staffing up and we've, you know, we try to make our recommendations to some of these agencies as well. So we want to see more people of color there. We want to make sure that those people understand, um, you know, and understand environmental justice, have a lens for equity. And, and, and I think not only do they need to be people of color, but they need to have, you know, people that see and understand our issues too. Yeah, because a, a lot of times when we see the face of environmental justice activism, there's still too many faces that don't look like yours and mine. Correct. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You know, we need more of that, don't we? Yeah. We, we need more people from our communities who are at these tables being heard and, and addressing um, some of these issues. Tell people how they can get involved with We Act for Environmental Justice, if you would. Sure. So um, you can find us on all platforms, Twitter, uh, Instagram at We Act for the number four EJ. And then our website is weact.org. Um, 
Um, and we're, we have a membership meeting. If folks are in the New York um, Harlem area, we have a membership meeting. Um, the I believe it's the second Saturday of every month. So the, the next one coming will be the 13th of, the, of February. And people are you know welcome to come. It's all virtual right now. So if you're not even in New York, you can join and learn about our local and grassroots issues. Um, but as it relates to the D.C. office where I work, we're, we're just it's like a light switch happened and we're just doing so much with this uh, this eight, this this White House that we've ever done before. So folks can just connect with us on our website, connect with us on Instagram and Twitter and follow us and learn more about our programs there. This was your first congressional hearing, you said? It was. It was. And, and you slaying no good <laughs> white dragons like that? I mean. That was so like, weird. My knee was shaking. I was like, this man is crazy. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, it was. I never know. I said, well, she must, she must have done this a thousand times. <laughs> no, it was my first one. Um, hopefully, there are more opportunities to talk about environmental justice, and um, like you said, you know, give a face to um, our issues. You know, it, there are lots of Black and Brown people, Indigenous people who've been doing this work for decades, and I'm, I'm thankful to, you know, stand on their shoulders and share their work at this national level. Yeah. Folks, also follow Kareen on her social media, Green Kareen, Twitter and Instagram. You know, I follow on Instagram. I'll be on there looking at her page. And she said, look, you just ain't going to come out and look at my page. You're going to do some work, too, brother. So that's and she's right. You know, pull me up, too, because we need to do more of this. We're going to have you back on a more regular basis. In fact, we need to do schedule something regularly. I appreciate um, that. Yeah. So we can um, uh, keep up with what's going on and, and all of us get an assignment. This is important, too. Um, and a lot of times we think we can keep putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. We cannot because, you know, time is catching up with us. Um, we are behind um, in terms of emissions and everything. And the other thing about administration did, of course, was, as, you know, I think what move all of the, the government, the government's fleet of vehicles to a electric. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, that's not something that's going to happen tomorrow, of course. But that's where it's headed. Uh, and, and that's where we need to be headed if we are going to survive. A lot of things we fight for ain't going to matter if we don't have a planet that's inhabitable anymore. Hello? So sooner or later, folks, we got to embrace this. Am I right, Corrine? We got to. You're totally right, Mark. I appreciate those sentiments. All right. So, folks, we act for environmental justice. Follow them. Follow Green Kareen. Again, weag.org. We thank you. Stay tuned right here because we're going to stay um, on top. Oh, before I go, Black History Month. Can, are you able to 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 share with us? Um, is there is there a, are there examples or precedents in Black history when it comes to the struggle for environmental justice and the struggle against environmental racism? For sure. Um, this week on the 11th will be the 27th anniversary of the signing of Executive Order 12898 on environmental justice. It was signed by uh, President Clinton, but it reflected um, years of work of people like Bob Bullard, Beverly Wright, Peggy Shepard, and others in the EJ movement to kind of press for more um, federal engagement around environmental justice. Um, thinking about the Warren County um protests there around, I think it was PCB or something like that. That That's one of the first examples of really strong EJ um, activism. And even frankly, the last 
act that Dr. King did in Memphis was an environmental justice act to protect the workers there in Memphis and to help them get better wages and have better working conditions. That's also um, an example of environmental justice. There's so many. Um, and I appreciate the opportunity to share because it, it is a part of our history. And one of my my brother, Dr. Benjamin F. Chavis Jr., mm -hmm. yep. uh, who actually was the first to popularize the phrase environmental racism. Yeah. Uh, and that woke a lot of us up. People like, hmm, racism, what's that? Who called it? Mm -hmm. So that, that woke a lot of folk up back in the day. So we appreciate that as well. And our sister Kareen is picking up the baton in this generation and carrying it forward. Weact.org. Thank you, Green Kareen. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Reverend. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, subscribe. And wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.